Empathy. In a time of stress or decision-making, it goes a long way in making someone feel cared for and understood. What if the business providing our services, our flights, meals, etc., were already thinking about our wants and needs and laying out options that apply to us? This kind of consumer-focused empathy driven by user data is the trait that Genesis CEO Tony Bates deemed so important that he made it a part of the corporate decision-making process. As Tony describes in this podcast and in his book, Empathy in Action, times have changed in terms of what consumers want and expect from companies that provide services to them. The first thing that really struck me is that the whole industry of customer experience basically was very much sort of business-centric metrics, right? So it was about efficiency and effectiveness. How do I get Alba in and out of a queue, right? I don't even talk about Alba. I talk about the average handle time and the wait time. Ultimately, if Albert doesn't feel like he has a better experience. He doesn't really have a better experience, right? Like just because my supervisor as an agent gets a high score because I got you in and out of queue doesn't necessarily mean that your customer satisfaction was high. So we started thinking about what's the true force multiplier. And to me, it's, you know, if you think about three E's, there's efficiency and effectiveness, and they're really important, but they're really business-based outcomes, right? They're not really people-based outcomes. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Tony explains how he and Genesis discovered that the addition of empathy alongside efficiency and effectiveness has led to better outcomes. He describes how empathetic policies do more than bring a better customer experience. They also foster better culture throughout your business. Bates shares that adding empathy in interactions with colleagues and employees goes a long way in creating a great culture. Enjoy this episode. Tony, welcome to the show. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Right out the gate, we want to always let our audience know exactly what it is you're up to. So can you tell us what is Genesis and what does it do? Yeah. Genesis uh, is really the leader um, in cloud-based experience orchestration. And let me just uh, outline that for you. And I'm, I hopefully we'll talk a lot more about this. But essentially, Genesis has had a long um, uh, history of leading innovations in the customer experience um, space. And today we're really focused on delivering these empathetic, personalized experiences for our customers to deliver to their customers across all forms of engagement. And so we're really excited because it's not just about the technology, it's really about transforming the customer experience and the employee experience industry. Yeah. And so that, that's a broad, that's definitely a broad category. Give us an idea so like our audience can understand this because I'll, I was describing this to one of our team members and I said, Genesis you probably don't know it, but you probably, everyone you call for customer service or talk to to get help with something from a product or a company is probably using Genesis. It's like it's, it's got a lot of customers. Give us an idea of when you say you're going to improve that empathy in action, that customer experience, that employee experience, tell us how people interact with Genesis. Yeah. So Genesis typically provides software to the largest companies on the planet. So we have about 7,000 customers. Uh, a full range of customers from um, small, medium, all the way up to the largest enterprises uh, in, in the globe. You know, we're 55 of the Fortune 100. And to your point, the primary method is any form of engagement typically you'd have with customer service, we provide that software. So think about when you connect for a voice channel or a digital channel, or maybe you have a, a, a bot that you need to string the experience together. 
we provide that software and we do it in a bunch of different ways. Uh, uh, sometimes we provide the software and the customer runs it. Um, some of, you know, think of uh, um, some of the large consumer-based companies out there, they will use this software. Sometimes we will provide the software and the service, particularly in our cloud services. And what we're really doing is trying to create an end-to-end experience. So when a customer of one of the businesses that we serve interacts with that business, we have a full view into uh, every part of that experience, how many times they've connected, what the issue they might be dealing with, whether they were cross-sold or upsold a new service. We keep all of that history. And what, when I'm talking about empathy and personalization, we're actually learning those interactions using those signals. And then we're trying to understand and predict the best way to engage you, for example. What's the channel you like to be engaged on? How, you know, how quickly do you need to be escalated to a customer service agent? You know, maybe you're comfortable in a digital channel. Um, and then from that, we keep learning and then we keep iterating on that and getting a better and better experience for the end customer. Yeah. And to give our audience an idea of how many customers Genesis serves or what types of customers Genesis serves, we're talking about big banks. We're talking about huge travel companies like Singapore Airlines. We're talking about consumer products like Whirlpool. We're talking about uh, massive companies like Microsoft. So uh, financials like Quicken. So I'm just reading some of the logos off the page. Yeah. So really a huge array of customers and kind of like industries where, right. Where like, for example, the, I, you know, I'm just guessing and assuming here, but you know, you have businesses like in travel where, you know, when a storm comes or something like that, all of a sudden it's like bursted demand, like tons of people need help. Um, to probably some businesses that don't have those bursts, but like you have all kinds of like dimensions you have to plan for in regards to like how to handle these equations. Give us an idea. You know, we we understand that customers today are becoming more. You know, some people like chat, some people like phone, some people like social. They're all communicating all these different ways. Every industry seems to have like different problems. Give us how you're like overarching concepts that you're trying to evolve and develop with the software with your teams because. On one thing, it's one thing, it's like you have to be able to handle all these things. Another thing is you have to be, of course, smooth enough so that every customer gets a great experience. Talk about how some like the philosophies, some of the things are going into developing these experiences going forward. Yeah. So maybe just to, like, as you mentioned, just to frame it for the audience, um, we're really strong in, in, in all, all sectors, frankly, um, yeah. just to kind of outline financial services, insurance, uh, retail, um, e-commerce, uh, travel. Um, so, and in all of those sectors, every company ultimately is looking to provide a differentiated experience to their customer, right? Yeah. And so, to, just to sort of um, parameterize it to your point, we have every type of customer from the largest consumer companies in the world, right? They serve billions of downstream customers um, to customers that need massive bursts, as you mentioned. Like a good example would be a healthcare insurance company enrollment day. You know, we have customers. On enrollment day, we got to process and help them process 20 million calls in a single day. Across, you know, <laughs> Holy cow. You know, thousands of different toll-free numbers, right? Um, and so we have to create technology that's highly scalable, both in terms of uh, capability, right, and in terms of geography. So it's a global company. We, we operate in over 100 companies. But the philosophy that we're really driving, um, and I touched on it a little bit, is we really want to make sure every time you interact as a customer towards the customers that we serve, you feel better about that interaction after you had it, right? And when I joined Genesis, one of the things that was you know, clear to me was that we, we as an industry 
have provided great technology, but we need to continue to improve that customer experience. And so the way we think about it is we take all the signals, right? whether that's coming through voice, whether that's coming through social media, whether that's coming through digital, whether that's coming through a bot, and we take those signals and we try first to understand you know, the, the fidelity of that signal. How good was that experience? Sometimes that's measured in the survey. Sometimes that's measured in real time in AI. Then we try and predict how we can make that better. Yeah. Then we act on that the next time you do it. And from that, then we continuously learn. And that's the underpinning of the way we think about architecting the products at Genesis. This is what we call experience orchestration that I mentioned earlier. Um, and it's really in the, in the service of what I think about is a brand new category, which we call it experience as a service. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is we want every single time you as a customer, or by the way, as an employee, particularly say an agent, mm -hmm. you are armed with better and better information to have a better and better experience. And it's a continuous learning cycle, if that makes sense. Um, and for example, just to kind of put it in sort of a, uh, a plain way to think about it, I think the world is really moved to an experience economy mm. and all of us have very high expectations as consumers, right? In fact, we're very, very quick to switch if we have a bad experience. There's lots of choice. Um, but we used to sort of think about uh, the in end customer sort of as a cohort, right? Or, a, you know, a certain type, there'd be a millennial or a digital native or a boomer. Yeah. But it turns out, particularly because of the pandemic, but that's kind of gone away. My mother, as an example, is just as digitally savvy in some ways as I am because she was forced to be right through the pandemic. So she doesn't get to go to the, the retail bank to get her money out. She doesn't go to the grocery store. She has to order online. But she's probably going to want to be served in her experience quite differently to me. A perfect example would be I'm very comfortable online, uh, you know, changing my password when, when the time comes. That's a very stressful moment for my mother. She may need a very intimate one-on-one -on -one human to human interaction to do that. So part of what I'm getting at is when I think about this framework is every single person deserves and we should be able to deliver with the technology that we're now enabling a truly personalized and empathetic experience. And empathetic really talks to about the more I know about you, more about the history and the context the better I can serve you, right? After all, at the end of the day, everyone's situation is different in the moment of interaction that they have with a business or frankly, in the workplace. You know, that's a great point. And, you know, what I'd love for you to do is kind of explain how, how a customer would feel this, this new upgraded experience. Because, you know, as you're someone, so I always age myself in the show, which is not a problem, but, you know, I'm in my 40s. And when I think about, we got to, you know, people my age, we've seen it all, right? We've been on, we've been on the phone with those companies where you seemingly have to give your account number to 25 different people before you can get any solution solved. And everyone's been on that frustrating side of things. I think we've seen better experiences kind of start making their inroads into different companies. You can definitely, we all know it. We might not, we might not think about like couldn't stack rank it, but we probably, like you said, our behaviors and habits are leaning towards custom, uh, businesses that give you those better experiences. When I think of things like, you know, how quickly do I get served? How easy is it to subscribe, to unsubscribe, to cancel, to change your plans? We're all leaning into those companies that kind of fulfill those experiences. Give us an idea of how this really specified tailored experience that you mentioned using technology to recognize who I am. Cause I, I think about this, like uh, I'll notice this at one of the airlines I fly. I was trying to quantify why I choose them. And number one, 
their quick to chat me options, flight options, excuse me, when my flight gets canceled. The other airlines don't do this. Like they literally send me, hey, your flight's been canceled. We could book you on this one or this one. I'm like, huh, that's pretty convenient. I'll take that one, right? And so that that's like, I know there's a lot of technology behind that because it seemingly it, it seemingly is preemptive and then other companies aren't. But you know that's my example, but I'd love to hear some of your examples of, of how these experiences are getting better because AI and some of the technology toolkits and integrations are, are now occurring. Yeah, I mean, I mean, firstly, I just want to kind of ground in the same way you said, like a lot of the, um, and I'll explain why I think w- where we are um, as sort of a broad industry in a minute, but a lot of the experiences feel like, you know, when you go to the doctor, right? And you go to the doctor <laughs> and you check in and then they give you this paper form to fill out and you fill it all out. Oh, yeah. And then you go back and then the nurse asks you all the questions that are on that paper form, even though you took all the time to fill it out. And then the doctor <laughs> comes in and asks them again. And then you see, you hope they type it all in and then you go back next time. And it's funny enough, you have to fill out that same form again. And I know some of that is for HIPAA and regulatory point of view, but in general, it feels like there's no history and there's no context oh, yeah. of your experience. And so th- just the first real thing that was sort of an epiphany, and it's much easier, uh, candidly, as you get people to the cloud, is we actually have all that data. Now, sometimes you have to gather it from a lot of systems, and that's a big part of what Genesis does. Sure. But the first thing is get uh, grounded in your situation. Uh, and that's really the listening and understanding part of what we do as enabled technology. The next piece is what you just talked about is the technologies are now evolving to be much more predictive, uh, much more proactive in that engagement. You gave a great example of the airline. Yeah. You know, this can be in a mortgage application as a simple example. Uh, we have this technology called predictive engagement. You're filling out the form. Lots of our customers use this technology, you know, and you get stuck. And the first thing you do is you just kind of give up because you have to upload a form where you didn't have the right format. The real power is how do I re-engage you just like you said proactively? Yeah. And how do I re-engage you in a way that is comfortable for you, right? Rather than saying, well, you got to upload my app or, you, you know, I only work in a certain social channel or digital channel. So the next piece was putting that together, right? Giving more ways to, to engage. And then the last piece is, of course, figuring out that, okay, you fell out in this part of the of the mortgage app. I know how to re-engage you, but also how do I take that learning and feed it back to make that flow even um, easier and more friction, uh, less friction in the approach. And so that's kind of the underpinning. What I wanted to mention though is, you know, the example that you gave is your example. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed. Exactly. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that in the in the the sort of next battleground isn't just a kind of great experience that's one size fits all. It's really an individual experience. And so in your case, that that worked really well. Proactive, you felt taken care of, you take that flight option. In another person's situation, that might be not the right thing to do, right? Because they just need that extra level of, of, of hand-holding or you can see that they're struggling to actually even use the app or whatever it is. And so I want to put it to you that the real, where we're headed and where Genesis is really headed is, is this idea of not only creating a great experience that's broad, but really individual, one-on-one, personalized. And that's really experience as a service and what we're trying to do with the company. Yeah. Yeah. And what I would say is we've tended to sort of think about the engagement technology as the experience, but really 
the experience is the fluidity of all of those engagement technologies and then doing them in the right way at the right time for the right situation. Yeah. So how, how do you and your, or how do you encourage your engineering teams to approach that problem? Because when you say that, it almost feels like kind of like how the social networks have kind of figured it out, right? When you log on to YouTube, you're going to see a different catalog of videos tailored to what you already shown interested in. When I log on to YouTube, I'll see something else. It works the same way for every single social network, right? They're figuring out their signals. They want to give you a tailored experience. That's how they keep you on platform. That's keep, they keep you happy. Now in something, you know, it's the same concept in my opinion, right? So it's like how we interact with finance, banking, travel, some of the industries you mentioned. I can totally see that we have, we all lean towards preferences. Me, I like making binary decisions. I don't like talking to people like, you know, that's me. So I know that in, in, if there was a, let's say a callback option and it wasn't offered to me, I wouldn't even notice that. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> because right. I, I wouldn't choose, that's not what I would choose, you know, or certainly I wouldn't ever hold. I, <laughs> um, but like to, to your point, most people, when they're served these tailored experiences, they don't actually know that it's even happening because they don't know the alternative. They only know that this is just good. Um, give us an idea of how your engineering teams think about how to approach this, because certainly there's a lot of toolkits available to, to do this and talk about how maybe you encourage exploration of new innovations and technologies to be like, hey, if this if this can deliver experience, we need to we need to figure it out. Give us an idea of how Genesis is approaching this. Yes. So first, as a technology company, you have to start with an architectural framework. And, and we touched on that a little bit, but we really drive at an architectural level, this empathy and action framework, right? So that's really about listening, understanding, predicting, acting on that, and then learning from that. Now, what that means is we're providing those tools, right? We're not necessarily saying, hey, United Airlines or Delta Airlines, you should use this sequence in this way. Mm -hmm. We're making very flexible frameworks where they can decide how they want to do that based on the tests that they get for their customers. So we're delivering the, the architecture. Now, the way the systems are built, there's sort of three aspects of it. Number one is making that be your base system and having that available as a set of either APIs or services that we offer in the cloud, just at a technology level. Secondarily is we need to make sure that um, we have all access to data, not just the data that comes through our channels. So having a really tight, deep coupling to the large other software stacks. So a big part of what Genesis has done is really enabled a large ecosystem, the Salesforces, the Googles, the Amazons, the Microsofts, because there's all these other signals that you get in terms of the data, whether it's CRM, sure. um, you know, HCM, if it's like the employee side of this. Um, that's a big part of what we do. And then on top is really thinking about each one of these as an individual platform. So at Genesis, we obviously focus primarily on customer experience. So we have a big um, offering in customer experience, but we also have a big offering in employee experience. Um, because if you think about the agent experience, just as one version of that, they want all that same information oh, yeah. that the, uh, the customer, in, and it's really fusing. And I'm really passionate about this sort of blending of the customer and employee experience. And then... On top of that, you start to think about, okay, what's analytic tool, analytical tools that we can give? We just recently acquired a company called Pointerlist, and that's really about giving you an end-to-end -end view of that experience orchestration. So it's really tools and services that we can then put in the hands of our customers. Now, to your broader question, you do need to go deep. You need to understand the customer. You understand their use cases, uh, the vertical nature of those use cases of how they differentiate using our technology. So it's an iterative, uh, deep um, relationship with the customer. But that's 
how we enable it, and then we encourage uh, engineers to innovate. But again, we're innovating at a level to enable. Ultimately, you know, um, if you're an airline, you have to figure out how you differentiate that. We just give you the tools, the framing, the architecture, and the philosophy. Sure. So Tony, you just mentioned something that is really unique to you. We did a little homework, of course, and you also have the book, Empathy in Action. You know, I want you to dive into that concept a little more because you in the book talk about how this is not just something that can happen in the customer service uh, industry. It can happen across industries. It can cross companies, organizations, amongst internal groups. Give us an idea of what this philosophy means to you and how it is applicable in other areas. Yes. Let me just frame the book. Um, it's about empathy in action, but it's about even a bigger notion. So when I, I, I joined Genesis, we've talked a little bit about this already, Albert, right? There's some good evolution of technology. But the first thing that really struck me is that the whole industry of customer experience basically was very much sort of business-centric metrics, mm. right? So it was about efficiency and effectiveness. How do I get Albert in and out of a queue, right? I don't even talk about Albert. I talk about the the average handle time and the wait time. Yeah. How- <laughs> and so the first thing that really struck me, um, and I was very fortunate to my co-author, Dr. Natalie Puderoff, who's an incredible researcher and luminary in the space, we started talking about why is it that we don't have more people-centric uh, metrics? If you, you know, it's like, all of this is about making the experience better. And ultimately, if Albert doesn't feel like he has a better experience, he doesn't really have a better experience, right? Like just because my supervisor as an agent said gets a high score because I got you in and out of queue doesn't necessarily mean that your customer satisfaction was high. So we started thinking about what's the force multiplier, right? What's the true force multiplier? And to me, it's, you know, if you think about three E's, there's efficiency and effectiveness, and they're really important but they're really business-based outcomes, right? They're not really people-based outcomes. And in fact, in the industry and, um, you know, that I've been involved in with, in, in terms of contact center, we didn't even treat you as a person. We treat you as a number, mm-hmm. you know, as a phone number shows up or whatever. <laughs> um, and so the first thing was really uh, the 30, which is empathy. Um, and it's really a massive force multiplier, I think, to the way that people should think about business. Then you say, okay, so empathy, that sounds great, but how do I really think about empathy? It's not sympathy, right? It's about how do I understand where you're coming from? How do I learn from that? How do I act differently? You know, and how do we keep going around that loop that we talked about earlier? So we laid out that framework and then it became super clear that the same exact principles apply inside a company, inside an industry. Right? And that's how we think about it at Genesis, which is we have a, a culture which we call embrace empathy. And it's really about basically humanizing business, being people-centric in your business and less business-centric, right? Of course, at Genesis, we care about um, revenue and profit and you know net retention and ARR and all the things uh, to run a company. But we spend as much time on really measuring the experience of the employee. And one of the things that sort of hit me through this was we had to focus on customer experience. The same principles uh, apply for for your company. After all, if you feel like you have a better experience at the company, you're probably more likely to stay at the company and more likely to grow with the company. And if I promote an empathetic, continuous learning environment, you will embrace that and then pass that to other uh, peers, maybe if you're a manager, to, to your employees. 
Um, and then from there, what really sort of hit me is that we've even been sort of treating employees as assets, almost like hard assets, right? And yet they're really the brand ambassadors. They're really the showcase of the customer experience as well, especially when you touch a human. And so it really blurred in and blended together. Now, what we've done with it, just to kind of outline that for you as in the book, and I hope people enjoy the book and take the time to read it, um, is we lay out a framework. Uh, we show that there's now technology that can help enable that. And we also provide the ability for you to assess kind of where you are on that journey, right? Because it's a continuous journey, but yeah. just by kind of looking at that, it's a great way to reflect. And we really hope it starts an industry conversation ultimately about reframing the way you think about your business. Less business-centric, more people-centric at its highest level using the empathy and action framework. So I, I totally agree. And it's and I, as you were talking, I kept thinking to myself in my head, like that's one of those things that it's easy to say, probably hard to do, right? And be more empathetic. Okay, how, right? And you and in the book, you talk about some you know, there's force multiplier technologies that exist today inside of artificial intelligence, cloud-based solutions that can help make this make this come true. You mentioned yourself that you kind of have measurements and tools and processes to help measure empathy to kind of understand where people are coming from. Give us an idea of some of this, you know, the tangible things that can be done to to do this so that we can we can do it because you know, I when I when you talk about being more empathetic, I think of I I don't know why, but my mind just jumped to casinos and how they treat really high rollers because they've figured it out. The problem is, is that's at a small scale. There's only a handful of those people, and they of course have teams of people that cater to those customers. That can of course happen to all customers, but how can systems really apply it to like all customers as well as all employees? Like you, you kind of have a framework. I'd love to hear some of like the tidbits of how this can get done. Yeah. I mean, here's a few things I would say. First, you have to, there's a recognition moment, right? You have to wake up and transform culture um, just at a company level. And that starts at the top. So that's from CEO on down. Yeah. You have to walk the talk. You have to make sure that those behaviors are valued. We, we really have three big cultural values. Embrace empathy, uh, what we call fly information, which really means act as a team and then go big. So innovate, be aspirational. The sub bullets matter though, in terms of, of how you how you behave, right? Which is, it's not enough just to say I'm empathetic. You actually have to use that framework. You have to put yourself in the, in the shoes of another employee. And I know for myself growing up, uh, there are a few times, you know, and I, I really tried not to do this where you get caught in the corporate trap of judging someone, even though you don't really know what they do. It's like, I don't know, you know, like they don't seem to be working as hard as me. Yeah. Yeah. And, but really that's just a, a broken concept because you really don't know, you know, and it's something I learned from my mother, you know, it's a cliche maybe, but uh, never judge someone until you walk a mile in their shoes, but it's really true. And so that's the first thing is setting the tone and the culture, walking that talk and, and instilling that using this framework as sort of a default position you know, always, always go back to those principles. If you get stuck, you know, there's a, there's a, a conflict um, between functions or, for example, you're getting stuck on the decision, use that, that process all the time. Then on top of that is reframing the question. And this is a little bit of the tools we use. So if you go back to kind of efficiency and effectiveness, if I measure, I'll give you an example. Genesis is billing process. You know, uh, you may say, well, that just feels like something should just work. Um, but you know how much agita all of us feel around 
the bill, like let's take our cell phone bill. Yeah. Like we don't know. All right. So, so what, what we introduced is this concept of every single question you ask and everything you measure, you should measure around these three E's. Now, for some transactions, part of a, a, an end-to-end um, process, maybe it's much more interesting just to have high efficiency, high effectiveness, and low empathy. But what we do is we actually measure, we ask the question of what matters to you. We weight that, and then that adjusts the experience. And a tangible example is completely changed our customer service approach by really measuring those three E's versus just the first two. Now, you know, in, in the industry that we're in, the common methodology that you hear a lot is a net promoter score, right? And mm-hmm. uh, some of your, your, your listeners will know it quite well, NPS. Think about that as a, as a concept. It's not really measuring the experience. It's how did that last transaction land on you? You didn't say what was it, what, you know, let's say you say it was good. What was it about it that was good? So I'll do more of that. What was it about it that was bad? I'll do less of that. But really double-clicking even further, it's like, what is the emotion that it basically puts in you? So I know it's a little abstract, but we have that methodology. We're, we're now developing that. We're now applying that to our product um, development strategy, to our services strategy, to our end-to-end processes in the company. Now that's that's always a good start, right? Like the the way you talked about it, which is the first thing is you have to value the, you have to value the measurement of these things in order to even begin to get down that path. Because so many people talk about things that they want to do, but then because there's no framework to to measure it, they don't ever get really. I think they don't ever get to where they want to go. And this framework that you have has to be. I know I'm sure it's adopted by all groups. Give us an idea of how, like, like for example, the the CTO or this, the, the product division, how they put this framework to use, because it's one of those things that you were, you were just mentioning, right? Of course there's business metrics that are there. So like if I'm in product and I'm trying to engineer a better experience, I know that I have to ship product. I need to, it's got to do, you know, it's got time. I'm sure it's got costs. It's got those things. So then I come to you and if imagine I work for you and it's like, Tony, I want to introduce this new thing. I think this can help us measure empathy better. Here's how. Give us an idea of how you encourage these innovations. And Well, it, it, just to be candid, it's already there. So there you go. <laughs> when I look at a business unit, uh, our, our, cloud, our Genesis cloud unit, they have roadmaps, they have, you know, metrics and, you know, and so on. They also have what we call an experience index. Oh, okay. And so we, we, oh, we already use it. We already have this framework. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think it's making our products better. So, um, but I think that, the way it shows up isn't like, oh, now I have a metric I adjust. You have to understand that empathy in itself, its root is a continuous learning process. It's not sort of a one-time snapshot. So the real key to this is to, to continue to make that, you know, a continuous um, journey. When I uh, uh, transformed, you know, I came to the company and I sort of laid out this vision. I remember there was a lot of resistance. Oh, empathy, that's fluffy and so on. So then we, <laughs> we, we codified it, right? We codified it into practice that you can measure to your point. Um, and sometimes we say, wow, that's a big shift from the traditional way it's done. And what my point is, yeah, it is. There's no end. It's a journey. Get used to it and keep adapting. And I think that's at the heart uh, of innovation. Um, and all the greatest innovate, you know, innovative companies, technology, continue to do that, as you mentioned at the beginning. And you see some of that. I think the other thing that we talk about in the book that's important is it's a combination of uh, technology um, and this way of thinking, right? It's not that AI does all this for you. It is important, though, that you take advantage of those technologies. 
but less in the the old way where it was about automation, but as I've talked about quite a bit in at the service of orchestrating, right? It's, it's the framework of those pieces. A lot of people look at AI and say, well, it's going to take away jobs. It's about automation. I would further that actually it's really when you start thinking about orchestration, you make everyone better. You make the experience better. You can employ, you know, in the employee experience side, you can use this as a continuing learning framework. I think that, you know, if we were sitting here five years from now, um, I'd say there's two things that I hope happen out of this. One is, you know, we, we talk a lot about design school today. Uh, you see it's kind of coming in, you know, colleges now uh, do a lot around design thinking. Why don't we have e-schools, hmm. empathy schools? Because empathy is actually at the res- root of a lot of design thinking, but I think we need to put more weight on it. The other thing I would say is I think we need to move, this is business at large, away from just having financial metrics and start talking about experience metrics and empathy metrics. It's amazing you have all these earnings reports but no one ever talks about the customer experience. And yet you said it earlier yourself. We see the, the the companies that are offering really good personalized experiences. They are really the top companies on the planet, right? That's right. That's where customers will, will start swaying to. Yeah. And so it's sort of natural. It's just that we've never codified it in the same way that we've done like Gap EPS and earnings and these types of things. So I'm very um, excited about it. And when we talk to customers they get it right yeah um, now they have to go through their own cultural change that we just talked about um so it won't happen overnight but i think we're we're moving in a good trajectory when you were talking about earnings reports and how they should empathy or experiences employee uh, customer and employee experiences be part of the metrics i just couldn't help think about all these great companies that have figured it out and that you know i always use the example of chick-fil-a i don't know if you're too familiar with i mean a lot of people are familiar with chick-fil-a but they, they, they have a limited menu they serve chicken sandwiches everyone kind of gets that but i mean everyone that i talk to also knows that it is the fastest drive-through experience so that no matter how big the line is people are willing to wait it and it's such a thing where you, you just kind of hit on it right that's an experience you just know you're going to get your sandwich faster so people rely on it they trust it they believe that chick-fil-a will take care of them but I do know that Chick-fil-A as a restaurant does, you know, almost double the revenue of a standard fast food restaurant, which is yeah, which is kind of proof in the pudding, right? <laughs> yeah. So going back to the framework of what I talked about, like maybe in this case, what you just described is the experience you want is more of an efficiency and effectiveness, right? You want to be in and out of the line, right? Yeah. But the point I'm trying to make is that you, this is all measurable. Yeah. Now it could be that, you know, you do this efficiency and effectiveness piece, but if you get to that front of the line and someone isn't there saying, How's your day? What is it that, you know, engaging with you? Yeah. Turns out actually you, you described it as the first two weeks, but the third is what really mattered in your experience. And my point is that needs to be measured continuously. Yeah. And uh, across all parts of uh, the customer experience, but also the employee experience. I agree wholeheartedly. And we, we already said like people, they might not even kind of like what you said, they might not like quantify, like know it, but they just lean that way. People are starting to lean towards businesses that just provide those better experiences, better empathy. Well, I, what, what I would say, we just maybe last one on that is like, they actually do. We just never ask the question and structure it in a way for people. Oh. You know what I mean, like you get a survey, it's like on a scale of one to five, did you have a good time? It's like, yes or no, right? Yeah. Fill in the comment section. It's not structured in an architectural way. So uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, people embrace this, um, hope they get excited about it. And, you know, we, we start an industry uh, a conversation here. Yeah. No, this is this has been great. I like how you've quantified how, you know, 
well, I'll just speak on my behalf, right? It's like, I don't ask myself that. I just feel it, right? And I feel it and I'll, and I'll go towards, I might not be able to quantify it for myself, but me as a consumer, I certainly lean that way and I'm sure many other people do. And I agree with you. If you would ask me the right question, I could give you the right answer, but unless you ask me, I won't, yeah. it doesn't occur. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Tony, it was awesome having you on IT Visionaries. Um, it was great hearing how you're approaching the industry at Genesis. A lot of your frameworks for how you think and measure and build culture and towards that empathy, towards that experience. So it was awesome hearing everything you had to say. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Tony, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work so our audience could get to know you better. Okay. You ready? Yep. All right, you had a lot of leadership roles throughout your career, really exciting companies. There's one that I jumped to, uh, I saw, cause I was like, dude, that's exciting, GoPro. Give us an idea. What are some of like the most memorable experiences in your career that you think have helped you build this, this empathy framework? Yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate, Albert. I appreciate you bringing up GoPro, but uh, to have worked um, across, uh, many different industries in technology. So I started in routers at Cisco and, uh, yeah. and had this opportunity to uh, lead Skype. So really do large-scale consumer uh, applications and then consumer hardware at GoPro. And then, of course, coming back to my kind of roots with uh, enterprise software at Genesis. I think that um, they've all been incredible uh, learnings. Um, you know, I, I would say... My time at Cisco, just to be candid, though, probably informs a lot of the way I think. And I was there just for for the audience. You know, I joined in '96. Uh, we, were, we were the largest company in the world. People don't maybe know that. Some of your younger audience, uh, <laughs> uh, largest market cap, and then the boom bust, the internet boom bust happened, and it just really taught me actually about sort of taking care and understanding how important it is, even with these ups and downs, how your people matter right, and how to treat them with respect. And so that was a big part of grounding me in this idea of empathy. And I think the, the other one that sort of really stands out uh, in many ways is GoPro and, and Skype kind of combined because it gave me a unique view of just how important the, the uh, consumer experience is to the, the tools that you deliver, but also how fragile it is, right? And how important it is to stay current. So we talk a lot about that in the book, you know, about this idea of blind spots. And, you know, GoPro was an incredible journey. We took it public. We had a great, you know, IPO. And yeah. then, you know, we sort of struggled because we missed a couple of products. And we had this whole shift with sort of mobile taking over the world. I mean, how do you sort of become that everyday product? So I would just say it's a whole collection of those things. Um, but I was so fortunate to work for, for John Chambers for a long time. And he, he taught me the power of understanding the customer needs, the, the power of looking around corners, the power of communication. Um, my time at Microsoft really taught me about the, the power of understanding the data. Um, and so I'd say they've all been, you know, ways to inform kind of what we're doing at Genesis. And I'm, I'm very grateful for some of these great mentors and leaders who've helped me learn along the way. What about books? Do you, are you an avid reader? Do you read outside of, uh, re, do you read about leadership or do you tend to read about just general casual reading? Like give me an idea. Are you a big reader? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a, uh, I would not say I'm an avid reader. I'm a selective leadership book reader. Um, and you know, when we approached the book, it was quite challenging for me because <laughs> I'd never done something like this before. Again, I have incredible co-author. So, uh, 
helped uh, tremendously sort of with the process and, and really especially the research that we put into the book. Um, I like to mix. I mean, if you wanted to say, if I'm sitting back uh, on vacation, I like to read uh, highly grounded fiction in history. Oh, yeah. So, you know, these would be stories. Yeah. Because I think that those types of writers who do that extra effort, do this 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 extra work to kind of make you feel like it's real because it's grounded in all this history, but at the end of the day, it's a great story, is a little bit of, uh, of probably what informs when I think about vision. Um, my favorite book of all time is a book called The Eight uh, by uh, Catherine Neville, and uh, it's about the number eight. And I'll leave it there because I hope some of your, your readers uh, read it, but how eight is such a powerful number throughout the whole of history. Um, so it's quite interesting. Okay, I'm very puzzled because it sounds so simple, yet it sounds so like, uh, I don't know, like mysterious. Like, why would eight be more special than any other number? Well, think about eight on a chessboard, and then you start to think about how this kind of shows up in many different parts of history. So it's very interesting. Oh, man, well, you're, good, you're good at leaving cliffhangers. Now I got to go check that out. You know, and that brings up a great question. You know, when you mentioned your, you know, approaching writing the book was an interesting experience. I guess that's the that's where I'll start. Was it your idea or someone was it Natalie's idea to write this book? No, uh, the, the quick history of it is I joined the company and I'd really started thinking about how do you approach this differently? And it was really around this idea of uh, so much was about efficiency and effectiveness. And also I was like the opportunity at Genesis was so much bigger than contact center, right? That had been our history and legacy. Right. And I started thinking about this idea of experience as a service um, and I started ideating first with a couple of folks in marketing about, you know, category creation. And I was like, wow, there's so much more here. And <laughs> I was very fortunate to be introduced to Natalie early in the process. And we started ideating around this empathy in action uh, equation that for those who read the book will see it in there, which is really this idea of the force multiply of empathy. And so what happened with the book was it became a kind of a skeleton or a framework as much around ideating the concept as it was about the output of the book, mm. right? But what the book does for those who um, who are interested in writing a book is, you know, at some point you've got to put it in in a framework with chapters. There's a beginning, there's an end, and so on. And I think it really became a very iterative process. And you know, in some ways, it's probably like artists, you know, that you could keep writing this forever, but at some point you've got to put pens down. You got to expose it to the world, and so that's kind of where we're at today. But the book was sort of secondary to the bigger, important point, which is really about empathy in action and really thinking about experience orchestration. No, that is that is always fascinating to me. Like I always wonder how people go down the path. I mean, it's, I didn't know. Um, you know, it's always it's always fascinating hearing the origin story of how something comes to comes to life. Tony, it was awesome having you on the show today. I think your experience and what you shared has been a really unique perspective. I think, of course, IT Visionaries does lean towards tech engineers, CTOs, CIOs, but like the way you talked about how you have to approach the product or the problem set is a little bit different, I think, from some of the other people that have been on the show. So I think it's a great perspective, especially in the category that you're in. And I'm with you. I can't wait to see these evolutions and tools evolve. Like you said, I may not know what the all the personalized experiences are, but as long as my experience keeps getting better, I'm never going to complain. <laughs> exactly. And I would maybe leave you with this, Albert, is I think that, you know, the pandemic really shone a light on this. Oh, yeah. Um, because, it, you know, all of us, including myself, are all struggling. And it really changed the way that I think 
businesses need to think about their customers, right? They really need to take care of them at a much broader level. And so I guess my bigger goal, just like you said, you may not know it, but as long as you feel better, you're, you're, you know, you'll continue to go back. I think there's a higher level uh, goal going on here is that I just think we all need a little bit more empathy in the world and in society. Oh, yeah. Right. And if you can enable that in your company for your employees and you can enable that in your business to your customers, I think hopefully we'll all just be a little bit happier going forward. Right. So I think there's a bigger, bigger game afoot. I hope there is. And I hope people embrace some of these uh, principles and philosophy that I outlined for you today. 100% agree with you there. I mean, you've hit it exactly on the head. Like when I see, you'll see on the news, you know, people get really frustrated at work, getting yelled at a little too much. There just has to be a better way. There has to be something to help. There has to be something that helps everyone out because has to, you know, like you said, this situation has has pushed this idea that we really do depend on each other for a lot of things. Yeah. And so we got to make it easier to, to help each other out. And uh, I think that is very, very good observation and quite evident. Tony, thanks again for joining us today on IT Visionaries. It was awesome having you. Thanks for sharing your leadership philosophy, your personal stories, and it was awesome having you on as a guest. It was great being here. It's so nice to spend time with you, Albert. Thanks. Thanks.